Hello and welcome to the insurance podcast, the Middle East edition. The aim of this edition is to discuss topics of particular interest to those working on insurance and reinsurance matters involving the Middle East. I'm Olivia Darlington, um, a managing associate in the Simmons & Simmons insurance and construction team, and I'm based in Dubai. Today, I'm joined by Jane Dando, um, who is a specialist adjuster of financial lines claims at Charles Taylor Middle East. And the topic we're going to discuss is cyber insurance, specifically ransomware attacks. Hi, Jane. How are you today? Hi, Olivia. I'm well, thank you. And thank you for having me on the podcast today. It's a really interesting time in the cyber insurance market, both in terms of the types of attacks that are happening and how insurance products are adapting to the changing risks. Well, thanks for joining me. Um, so, as we both know, cyber attacks have increased in frequency during the COVID-19 pandemic because criminals have uh, sought to exploit companies as they've adapted to a working from home environment and they've had to rely more and more heavily on technology. The Middle East is obviously no exception to that um, and the UAE alone reportedly saw a 250% increase in cyber attacks in 2020. That uh, trajectory is also replicated in other Middle Eastern countries. Um, the topic today, as I said, is uh, ransomware attacks. Um, so by that, we mean where malicious software is used to encrypt a victim's data and a ransom is then demanded in order to restore access. And th those types of attacks are particularly prevalent at the moment. Jane, um, your, your particular experience in this area and in adjusting cyber claims in the Middle East and globally, as loss adjusters, you are usually involved, obviously, in the immediate aftermath of a data breach. Can you just run us through the key steps that need to be taken in the hours and days after a breach, please? Yeah, so having a good instant response strategy is important. Uh, at CTA, we've got a proven and tested service with access to incident managers who are available 24-7. And we are the nominated incident response provider in many policies globally. So the first step I'd suggest to insurers would be to contact the incident response provider listed in their policy. We carry out a first triage call and it's helpful in that if the insured is able to provide as much detail on what has happened as possible. So what servers and systems have been affected and the steps taken to date. Considering how the business is impacted on a practical level can also guide later decisions. So, for example, what is the financial implication of continued downtime? Is there a risk to human life due to the inability to access servers? We then ask if there's any suspicion that data may have been accessed, and if so, what systems hold that data and what data is concerned. It's important that we try to build a, the right picture from the start, as this will determine the next steps to be taken. The incident responder can use the information they're given to consider what specialist vendors need to be appointed and then facilitate those instructions. Thanks, Jane. That's, that's really interesting. So, I mean, as lawyers, obviously, we are instructed at the outset, along with the IT forensic firm, and sometimes the PR firm becomes involved either at that stage or a later stage. Um, what, in your experience, are the, the sort of immediate steps that the IT forensic firm needs to take and, and their role um, generally? Yeah, so one key part of an IT forensic firm's role is investigation. So that is working out how entry to the network was obtained, what the threat actor has done whilst they've been in the network and what they've been able to see when the system started to be under threat. 
Um, as well as ransom demands in exchange of restoring access, we also see double extortion ransom demands, whereby threat actors have exfiltrated data and threatened to publish data if the ransom demand is not met. So it's important to quickly figure out whether or not there has been exfiltration and if there has, what has been exfiltrated. Yeah, um, so working out what type of data has been accessed and exfiltrated is also really important from legal perspective, as you might imagine. So a key legal risk for a company which has suffered a data breach is of claims by third parties arising from their personal data being compromised, stolen or or access being denied. Um, in, in the UAE, um, there is no federal data privacy law at the moment, although there is one in the pipeline. That said, um, there are several laws which stipulate the right to privacy and impose offences on those who breach that right or who breach confidentiality. Um, individuals whose data has been compromised may also bring a claim against a company which has suffered the breach on the grounds of mismanagement. So that's something else um, that's really important for insurers to bear in mind. Um, depending on the type of data accessed or exfiltrated, insureds may need to make notifications to regulators. There's currently no onshore law in the UAE which requires notification of a data breach to regulators, although that is also expected to change soon. Um, in the DIFC, however, it is compulsory for companies to notify a personal data breach under DISC law number five of 2020. Um, other Middle Eastern countries such as Bahrain and Egypt brought in stringent new data protection laws in 2020 and we expect that the UAE to follow suit relatively soon. Um, just in terms of moving a slightly away from that topic but um, more in, in terms of the ransom demand. What other practical steps an insured needs to consider from your perspective when faced with a ransom demand? So I think this depends on the business and what is being held to ransom, but there are a few kind of practical things to consider in most sets of circumstances. So if there's no exfiltration, insurers and the IT forensic team may want to consider whether there are any decrypt tools that are available or whether there's any other way to get the data back. Um, our advice is always that consideration of paying a ransom should be a last resort because paying a ransom has its own risks. Uh, so we would consider things like whether an insured can repair or rebuild the systems, are backups viable, how old are viable backups, um, how old, how long will it take to restore the data and how much data will be lost if an old backup is used. Then we'd think about what impact each option would have on the business and how business interruption losses can be mitigated. And then if there has been any exfiltration or access to personal data, the impact on data subjects, negative PR and regulatory implications are added factors to think about if there is a risk that the threat actors are going to publish that data. As I mentioned, uh, generally consideration of a ransom payment should be a last resort as there are inherently issues with negotiating with criminals and insurers should be involved when uh, these considerations or discussions are, are taking place. In some cases we've seen that decrypt keys also contain malware so secondary attack was then enabled. 
Uh, finally, we'd recommend that in all cases when a payment's considered, specialist negotiators are appointed to obtain proof of life and negotiate the right payment for the right decrypt key. There is a risk that the ransom will be paid and decrypt key will not be given or that data being held to ransom will be published anyway. Yeah, that's a really important, uh, important point. Um, from a legal perspective, the payment of a ransom, whether directly or indirectly, is not of itself legal in the UAE. Um, most cyber policies will cover ransom payments, although we are seeing that they are um, introducing, insurers are introducing sublimits um, more and more, um, which I'll come on to later. But um, they will, as I say, cyber policy will usually cover ransom payments payments subject to conditions such as obtaining insurers written consent to the payment. The main legal issue that insurers and their insurers need to be aware of is the implication of making a ransom payment where it could be deemed to constitute the financing of terrorism or illegal organisations. Um, under UAE federal law number 20 of 2018, a person is guilty of financing terrorism or illegal organisations where amongst other things, they make a payment and are aware that the proceeds are wholly or partly owned by or will be used by a terrorist or illegal organisation. Um, this can obviously create difficulties for insurers and their insureds. The malicious actors are usually anonymous and their underlying aim and the ultimate destination of any ransom payments is usually unknown. There is normally little time to make investigations in a business business critical situation um, but it is important that insurers and insurers carry out whatever due diligence they can to satisfy themselves that they wouldn't be falling foul of any financing of terrorism and illegal organ organization laws. Um, unfortunately I think that ransomware attacks are only going to increase and I'm sure you think the same Jane. Um, particularly, yes, okay. <laughs> particularly in the Middle East um, we have seen a significant rise over the past couple of years, not only due to the COVID pandemic. What I would say is that, you know, prevention is better than the cure. So it is important businesses put a plan in place to protect themselves in the event of an attack, which includes obtaining appropriate cyber insurance and understanding the scope of that insurance. As I've already mentioned, we are seeing that some insurers are starting to sublimit their cover for ransomware payments. So that's something to, to watch out for. Obviously, this is a huge topic and uh, perhaps we could have another discussion at another stage, Jane. Um, but I think it's probably all we've got time for for this one. So all that remains for me to say is that thank you very much for joining me, Jane. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you to our listeners. Um, just before I finish, just to emphasise that this podcast will cover a range of Middle East insurance and reinsurance topics across all business lines. So please do look out for those that are of particular interest to you or your colleagues. Equally, if you do have a suggestion for a topic, um, I would love to hear from you. Thank you very much.